Guys, I want to just welcome you all and thank you so much for coming. I uh, to, tonight is and to this weekend is really significant because it's the beginning of a new chapter for not only us as a local church but as a ministry. Um, in just starting to venture into the prophetic words that God has spoken over this house. And uh, I'm not going to spend very long on this. I might have a bit more time tomorrow, but just why it's so significant. But um, specifically, the theme and the reason for this particular retreat is all about the heart. Everyone say the heart. In fact, put your hand on your heart. See, this is my heart. <laughs> you know, we're triune beings spirit soul and body and so often we don't talk about the heart and a wise man once said that if we train people how to use their gift without first teaching the healing of the heart we're just teaching people another way to perform and this heart of ours it's it's vulnerable and it needs to be handled with such care. And so as this weekend unfolds, I'll share more of the significance just for this site. But I'm going to get our guest speakers up really quickly. And the reason why is they've just got off a nine-hour flight from London. They arrived this afternoon. We drove them back to our house, had a cup of tea because they're English. <laughs> then they went downstairs, got ready, freshened up, and came here. And so I just want to welcome Paul and Sue Wakeley. And, but before I do, really quickly, Stephen Larissa are right here. They're here from England also. And they are, they are here on sabbatical. So they've just started. Uh, are you coming to the end of your end of sabbatical? They're right here at the end of their sabbatical. So... Um, <laughs> So um, I'll, I'll talk more about tonight, but just so they don't fall asleep um, while they're speaking, I'm just going to get them up here. But this is Paul and Sue. I've known this couple since I was a little boy. In fact, um, just this today, Sue was talking about when I was ill and I nearly died when I was six months old. And um, Sue was there in the hospital with my mum and dad. They're dear friends of my parents. Um, Paul has been out to see them in Afghanistan. And um, I just want to say this about this couple. They are true. They truly carry the heart of the shepherd, the chief shepherd. And I, and I mean this, that's quite rare. Shepherds that really represent the shepherd, the chief shepherd. And um, don't believe me. Watch this year in the right place for this weekend because you're going to see just the love of the Father just coming out of them. Amen. So can we welcome Paul and Sue as they come up here? Come on, Paul. Come on, Sue. You, you are doing a session, aren't you? <laughs> Hi, everybody. Thanks for your welcome. Um, I can't imagine a better place to be, not just because you're beautiful people, because I've never spoken with a live fire behind me. <laughs> and Dan knows I have a particular challenge with cold, so I think he's arranged the whole of this yeah. evening. <laughs> so I'm stood here with a fire behind me. But um, It's warm, isn't it? 
Yes, really. I was going to take my top off, but I thought this is a bit radical. So. <laughs> when you're really tired, your humour gets worse. <laughs> So seriously, we're just delighted to be here with you and um, know some of your faces, Michael, know some of your faces, um, but some we don't know. But we've, we've been trying to come out here for, I don't know, the last few years and suddenly it clicked into place and um, it's such a privilege being with you, it really is. And I'm hoping to get to know you a bit. Um, actually, I've travelled a lot uh, since I was a kid, but I've rarely been able to travel with the love of my life, not Jesus, he is, it's okay, but Sue and I get to come together this time, yeah. which is really special for reasons we'll tell you at some point, but do you want to say something or preach? Just say hello. <laughs> I can't think very clearly either, but, um, oh, it is, yeah, it's very good to be here, and wow, what an extraordinary place this is, yeah. this retreat centre, it's a real special privilege to be here amongst you all, so thank you for welcoming us so well, thank you. Yeah, well done. And Dan and Fee, Dan and Fee, thank you so much. These guys, I think, who else has been working on the site here these last few days manically? Could you put your hands up if you have been? Mel, can you put your hands up if you've been working in this place? Fee and Dan, Mel and... Mel. Mel. And this lady, I don't know your name, I'm sorry, but you've been working? No. Oh, oh you were pointing at her. I thought you were registering. Okay. Well, thank you. We're, we really are stunned. I think we were just having landed. How many of you have been to England before? Okay. Oh, all, okay. I was going to boast, but it's no good. But, but, you know, it's like kind of England's lovely, but we land here and everything's so spacious and beautiful. And we come here and Dan tells us, no, um, we look around. It just, it just is, it's, it speaks of God's goodness, doesn't it? So we're so grateful. Um, yeah, how do we get into this? So we're going to try and share a little bit of this next 24 hours, and we really appreciate you coming um, and giving time to this. And I think Dan hit it on the nail when he said, um, our heart's the most precious thing you've got. And somehow we want to invite you, if we may, to really drop everything in terms of responsibility, demands. This is your time. This is time for you. And no one is too old and too experienced not to need time for you. And we really honour that in this room. And um, the reason for sharing is, uh, you know, more than anything, this stuff has saved our lives. And if it saves your life, you feel pretty passionate about it. Because it's not just truth anymore. It's something that's so powerfully worked that you can't hold back from saying, honestly, it's worth giving attention to this stuff. So I think to say also, um, we're on a journey, like nobody's made it, have you? If you have, if you could take the microphone, it would help me. But, <laughs> you know, no, honestly, we're on a journey. We're constantly discovering new things and, and this whole journey of coming home to a father who I never knew for the first 25 years of my Christian life and even ministry and leadership, I didn't know him. I knew lectures about him. But I didn't know him. And the last 25 years has been a game changer, but I feel like I'm still 
on this journey. Is that okay? So if you could bear with us in that, we're not got it all together. Not only that, and these are all the caveats you give when you're hoping people don't expect too much. Not only that, but here's the deal, guys. I want to say it really clearly. We passionately believe this is God's word through and through. And anything we share, we don't have much time to go through the scriptures, but I, we try and make sure everything's rooted in his word. It's really key in these days, isn't it? And so we won't have time for scriptures. If you want to challenge us, question us, that's cool, that's okay. All right? Um, because it's really important to know it is in the Word. Yeah. But I've also realized experiences of His Word are new to me when I didn't experience it before. So I've got to talk about experiences, but I believe it's really key. It's in His Word somewhere. Yeah. And then the other thing which has really struck me, and we had this come prophetically yesterday again, um, it isn't by clever preaching. I'm sorry if you've paid a lot of money, but it, it's, it's not by clever preaching. It's not by, I believe in preaching, do you understand? But let me say really honestly, it's the anointing of the Holy Spirit that somehow weaves inside me and causes changes to happen that I long for, but I don't know how to get into. And the precious Holy Spirit, who's your very best friend, he's your companion, he's the one that just itches eagerly to get to every corner of my heart and bring a discovery of this father he's the one we need in the room as dan prayed isn't he and so can i invite you if you if i may it's not going to be our clever preaching it isn't but we're trusting the holy spirit already in the room will begin to weave his wonderful way into our hearts where we most need it and all i ask is that if i may is that you may know everything we say. It's probably likely you know everything we say. But I know I want to go deeper and deeper in what we're sharing. And I want the Holy Spirit for me this weekend to touch me again with his transforming power. And so during this time, if you suddenly find there's a little thing come to your mind or there's a little nudge or there's a ouch or there's a relational thing or could you just take note of it because it's probably the Holy Spirit just brooding over you. This is very personal. It's going to be a very personal 24 hours. He is eager to find every one of us and give us some more rescue. So can we be honoring to the Holy Spirit and let, let him, and if you do, I just jot things down sometimes. I'm, I can hear someone talking and suddenly a name comes to my mind and I kind of go, ouch, as their name comes to my mind and I kind of push it away. I think, oh, it doesn't matter. No, it's the Holy Spirit saying, let's go there, shall we? Does that make sense? So if you, if you get little impressions or thoughts or people, jot it down because it could be really important. And then I... I I don't know any other way but the anointing of the Holy Spirit that brings change to my heart. Yeah? So, okay. We better start, hadn't we? <laughs> Let me tell you a quick story because it illustrates. Um, in about 2014-15, um, we'd been to a meeting in Bath and uh, we came home and I do what Christians never do. I flick the television on because I was tired. And uh, on the television, uh, it was at home... Um, they have a thing every November called a Remembrance Day, and then they have a huge concert in a place called the Albert Hall. Anybody heard of the Albert Hall? No, oh, just seeing. Okay, the Albert Hall is a huge place in London, and they have a huge concert on Remembrance Day. And in this concert, in this big hall, 
they have military bands, the Queen was there, all the Prime Minister, generals, military people, the whole place was stashed with top brass from England for this celebration of the Second World War Remembrance. And I flicked it on, and it was just going on in the middle of it. And suddenly, in the middle of this massive military occasion, and the camera was scanning the Queen, and they had a band, a little group of girls came on to sing a song. And all of these girls, it turned out their dads were in the military, but their dads were away in some other country serving in the military. And so they'd done a song together to perform that night. And it was a very sweet, very beautiful song. And there was a top guy comparing the evening whose name is Hugh Edwards, Hugh Edwards who's a top BBC guy. Okay, and he was comparing the evening, you see. So anyway, these girls sing this song and it's all very beautifully done and everybody claps and Hugh Edwards turns and says, well, that's beautiful. We know your dad's rule away in another country and, um, you know, you'll be seeing them perhaps next year and da-di-da. And then he said, uh, and Megan, who's the youngest girl singing in the group, Megan, of course, we know your dad's away in wherever he was, the Middle East or somewhere. And, we, you know, we know it's all sad. You won't be seeing him till next year. And then he pauses and he says, but tonight, Megan... We have a surprise for you. And Megan is kind of innocent. I think she's 12-year-old, that kind of age. She's just standing there thinking, well, you know, is it flowers, is it chocolates, whatever. But remember, the whole of the kind of top people of England are in the room. And there's a pause. And the camera goes up to the top of the back of the Albert Hall, which is a big staircase going up. And through the doorway comes a very good military guy dressed up in his military uniform. And Megan still hasn't seen him. And he begins to walk down the stairs. And as he walks down the stairs, Hugh Edwards says, Megan, tonight, your dad is back. And the camera swivels as he comes down this long staircase. And Megan is kind of like, what? And in a moment, she seems to forget who's in the room. Because she dashes across the floor of the elbow hall, just running, her whole face is like, as she sees her daddy coming down in his military uniform, and he's walking down, and she forgets who's in the room. And as she dashes, he can hardly hold himself back, of course, because he has spent hours in a plane, I believe, probably thinking all the time, not about the Queen, I'm sorry, not about the military people. He's probably been thinking all the time, the moment when he'll get to see his daughter again. And so she rushes across and he bends down in front of everybody and he scoops his arms around her and he picks her up and the camera comes in on her face. And her face is this bizarre mix of utter joy and weeping. And he hugs her and she says, Daddy. And there's this odd pause and you think, you didn't realise the Queen's here. You didn't realise there are generals. You didn't realise the Prime Minister. No, of course she didn't. Because the relationship of all relationships is back in the room and she couldn't care a hoot about anything but to get into the arms of her dad. And I thought, I looked, and it was like there was a strange pause, as though every now and then the Lord himself reveals something about his fathering heart to all humanity, and suddenly shafts his way into a situation and says, let me show you again some profound truth about who I really, really, really am, if only you would look towards me. 
And it made me think, you know, about him in the plane and his whole thought, when will I see her? And it made me realize lots, much of my life in this whole thing about God being a father to me, much of my life had been, how can I try and find him? What do I need to do to get close to the father I long for? What is it that I have to do? Is it more prayer? Is it more fasting? And as I looked at it, I thought, oh my goodness. No, no, he is constantly pursuing me to find me, reveal himself to me. And every revelation always begins, if you don't mind me saying so, with a heavenly embrace of your heart. He's looking all the time, can I find more of you because I'm longing to be the father you long for. Do you understand the difference? Is this making sense? And I'm sorry, but I need to be very moved at times because I want to be moved, not to be emotional, but it is very, very moving to be found by a father who thinks the world of you. It's very moving to have someone who so wants to find you. And all the time you're thinking, how can I find him? And he's saying, no, 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 will you let me find you? Because if you let me find you, the first thing I want to do is to give you some kind of heavenly embrace that you deep down long for would wrap around your heart with the love that only a father can give you. And... Um, I pray that'll happen in these 24 hours. I pray every one of us, because I can't find anything in scripture that, that to do with this fathering that doesn't begin with some extraordinary encounter with being loved like you long to be loved. You know Luke 15, 20, you know it well, I won't, but it, it, I believe that's the very center of the gospel. Luke 15, 20 says this, but when he was still what? A long way. Oh my goodness, that means there's hope for every single person who longs to find him is however far away they are, so however long way off they feel, let me tell you, you are already in the Father's longing sight to somehow find you and bring you home close to him. When he was still a long way off, his Father saw him. It's so familiar, these things, but oh God, let them break our hearts open. His father saw him. What did he do next? Do you remember? He what? Say it. He ran. <clears throat> I think it's the passionate message says, his heart pounding within him. And everything within me says, God couldn't be like that with me. I mean, come on. It's not exactly a great record. You know, do you ever get those little inner... You look so sanctified, I'm going to have to... Do, do you ever get those little... Yeah, his heart pounding, God's heart pounding in love for me. Come on, give me a break. Can I tell you what happened? So the shift of the Holy Spirit is to help us leave behind all sorts of wrong impressions so we're available to be found by the most outrageous love that you long to have and I long to have. Do you understand? His heart pounding within him, he runs. And what did he do? He threw his arms around him. And oh, I've heard that story. I can preach that story. I know, but I want it to become so deep inside my heart that I'm available to be loved like that because otherwise I'll forever be thinking, what do I need to do to get closer to him? And so his heart, and he embraces him and he kisses him. And it's very uncomfortable language unless you want 
to find that kind of love because you were made for that kind of love before you ever serve him. I came in through the wrong door. I came in through the door of servanthood. Now listen to me, I absolutely believe in servanthood. I came in through the door of forgiveness. I absolutely believe in it, but I never knew his love. It's possible, isn't it? In fact, I think I hid behind serving because I didn't want to be found. Funny, isn't it? And yet we're meant to serve, but we're meant to serve because we're so loved. So this remarkable thing about God as a father is he actually itches to find us. And Luke fifteen twenty is the centerpiece of the gospel. And so I kind of challenge my heart an awful lot of how do I really, really see him as a father? How do I? I'm going to ramble around a bit. Do you mind? Yeah, much. I've got the microphone. That's it. But, but, and you've probably, but I want to ask you again, how do you really see this father's face? Uh, 1 John 3, 1 says this. I already, it says, see, see <laughs> how great, every word weighs, see how great the love the Father has lavished on us. And you say, oh yeah, it's a great verse, put it on the fridge. No, don't put it on the fridge. Because it may get too cold and factual when God wants to absolutely wreck us with some discovery of what it's like to be lavished by a father. Did you understand how great the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called his children? I could spend a lifetime trying to figure that out, couldn't you? I looked up lavish once in, what's the famous dictionary? Webster. Webster. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Do you want... I looked up lavish. Do you know what one of the, one of the definitions, definitions was a heavy downpour? How many of you, I mean, wouldn't it be fun if the Holy Spirit just fell in this room with a heavy downpour of a father's affection where he's so eager, all he wanted us to do was say, I'm up for it, Lord. How about me? How about my heart? How about my life? How about me? If that's the very big gain of the cross of Jesus Christ, it's not about how well I've done. It's not about how much I feel. It's simply I dare to trust because of the cross. I'm in for a heavy downpour of the father's affection. Couldn't we? Yeah. I mean, it could be kind of an, an eager prayer in this room where there's every bit of us is saying, and now how about more, Holy Spirit? Please come. I want the heavy downpour because that's what I was made for, not, first of all, for a calling. Yeah. <sighs> heavy downpour. I mean, that's a lot of love. Love comes from God. Love comes. Love comes. Love comes. Love comes. What's it to do with? It's a lot to do with my eager anticipation rather than beating myself up because I still haven't got it together. That we should be called his children. And then it goes on in 1 John 4, 3 and it says something like, you know, we don't even know what we're going to be like. Well, if we're dearly beloved children already, what's going to happen when we see him face to face? Can I be honest? Uh, you okay with this? 
I, do you know what my greatest apprehensions? This may sound strange to you. My greatest apprehension is when I breathe my last breath and see his face. Let me tell you my apprehension. That I'm going to find him so outrageously loving. I wish I trusted him more when I was on the earth. Honestly, I kind of, what would his face be like? This father, this abba, this, this outrageous, how do we find words unless the Holy Spirit wings it inside? But I don't want to get to the end and then go, and he goes, come Paul. And I go, why didn't I trust you more? Why didn't I go all the whole hog? You say that in American? Is that all right? Is that... I asked Dan in the car on the way home from the airport. I said, Dan, I don't know about American culture. Supposing I put my foot in it on the first night. He said, I'll clear out the mess, Paul. It's all right. He's very kind. <laughs> he has a lot of messes to clear out. But, but do you understand? Why, why, don't, why don't I cast off, if you like, every last self-doubt, self-hitting, and say, I'm in, Father, because if that what Jesus Christ died on the cross for, I'd like it for me. So I don't want to see his face at the end and think, oh God, I never dared trust because I was so aware of my record. And the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. And I think if we're, I didn't even look at the watch. Is it? No, it's not, you liar. Is it? Oh, it is, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say you're a liar. <laughs> I've lost all sense of time, Dan, what did, I don't, I'm sorry. Listen, I knew him when he was very young. If you want to come up to me afterwards, just come to me afterwards. I can tell you about this man. No, no. <laughs> I, I won't say it now, but do you know what? His... <laughs> hmm. I'll, I'll hold that for a minute. <laughs> Stay with me a minute. You see, see, there is a war going on. Now, please, when I say there's a war, there's only one winner. But there is a war going on about your capacity, your, your discovery of who you really are to him and how he feels about you. There's a war going on, and I'll tell you what it's about. It's about all sorts of whispering lies that lurk around inside our hearts at times because it's with the heart we believe, not with the brain. And therefore, in here, and you know this, I'm telling you what you know, but I'm going to go over it and say, do you know what? Sometimes there's lurking little whispering, undermining lies that run along the lines of, of you know, um, he's probably disappointed with me. Ouch. He probably wishes I did better. kind of tolerates me. He has to because I've trusted in the cross, but you know those odd little little whispers that go on. He's kind of distant really, this father. Jesus is oak, Holy Spirit I get, but I can't really find this father. Because he just feels remote or distant or cloudy or whatever. 
I, I don't know, kind of thing, you know, that kind of, maybe, maybe I'm not really included in what you're talking about, Paul. Maybe, maybe I made such a mess that really I've just got to stay in the outer circle and sort of half in. Maybe what I did back there is so, so disappointing to him. He, you know, he kind of, uh, kind of in, but not that much. Maybe he's, maybe he does have favorites and I'm not one of them. You know, that bunch of lurking things, you look like you never get these. I've wrestled with them, okay? I've wrestled with them. I'll tell you why tomorrow, but I've wrestled with them because of a whole background of shame that dogged me. And that leaves these whispering lies that go on and, you know, you think, yeah, oh yeah. And let me tell you this, can I be really bold with you and say this is, when you have those lies, Satan himself, who is the great orphan spirit, climbs into those lies and digs them into you to try to get you bedded into the thing only he can, you can only re reproduce after your own kind. An orphan spirit wants to reproduce orphans. The Holy Spirit, the spirit of sonship and daughterhood, wants to produce sons and daughters. So the battle goes on and the enemy, Satan, wants to, uh, how can I put this? Do you know what? If the glory of God is to have sons and daughters all across the earth, trust me, the desire of the orphan spirit is to try and separate men and women from the glorious discovery of just what kind of father they have in heaven. And so you get caught in a battle at times, don't you? We're going to be honest this 24 hours. I'm going to, you know, I'm, okay, so, so, so that battle goes on because he, he knows how to wind in and try and dig in a complete separateness to the Father who's after you. And how many of you, let me take Martin Luther, just because he's come to my mind. What's the greatest revolution, revolution, revelation that Martin Luther had? Anyone tell me? Huh? Justification by faith. Just, I mean, stunning. Changed the whole Christian world, right? Didn't it? It was a stunner. You are clean in his presence just because you trust in the blood of Jesus. Right? We okay with that? What a stunner. The very man who had that revelation couldn't pray the Lord's Prayer. Do you know why? He said, whenever I get to the second word of the Lord's Prayer, which is, I can't say that word because instantly my father, earthly father's angry, disapproving, moody face comes straight in front of me and I can't find the heavenly father. So I'm not going to pray it. If that's what a father is, I'm not in. Amazing. The very man who had a revelation about the clean standing in God's presence was the very man who could never discover the fathering of God because his earthly father had so messed up his whole picture of what a father is. Yikes. Amazing, isn't it? And how many of us have a kind of a bit of a, you know, a journey where, and by the way, when we're saying fathers, we come to mothers and fathers, have a journey where mothers and fathers have distorted so much the beauty of who God is that we can't separate those, those images and really find the dazzling radiance of a dad who thinks the world of you. Do you, do you understand that? Think, oh, that's a bit psychological. No, it's not. It's biblical. When does Jesus say that? He says this. He says, How many? Listen to this. He says, Which of you, if your son asks you for bread, will give him a 
stone. Or if he asks for a fish, I get these wrong, we'll give him a snake or a scorpion. Yeah, you on that? This is what Jesus says. If you then, though you are evil, fathers, I'm not, are you an evil father? What do you mean, Jesus? Calling me an evil father? Know how to give good gifts to your children. Why does he say evil? I'm sorry I asked questions because it stopped, you know. Why does he say evil? Huh? Sin nature. Sin nature, yeah, true, but I don't think. Seen what? Was he? I need to look back on it. It could be. Thank you. For, I, by the way, all answers are legal. Okay. The, I, I, you got it. You got it. Right. You got it. I find that stunning, don't you? If you then, though you are evil in comparison to the wonder of the Father, I'm trying to reveal to you. I'm wanting to. I think that's what he means. Do you understand? The best of fathers on earth. Oh, I had a great father. I'm sure you did. But the best of fathers. Jesus is saying, do you know what? This father that fathers my life and I'm trying to introduce to you is stunning and makes it look evil compared to his outrageous goodness. So, so there's all these lies that lurk around. And I, I, you know, I, don't, I don't want to diss parents. I don't want to dishonor mothers and fathers. I really don't, but I also want to recognize where things have happened in my life that have genuinely made it hard for me to discover his face compared to other faces. My, Martin Luther. My, my, my dad, for what it's worth, my dad was a really kind man, and he was a very kind man. He was in the military, and um, but I never knew him. because he was either away, absent, or he was in the home, but very passive, very passive. I did love him, but I couldn't find him, and I didn't know him. So the thought that God was a heavenly father has taken me a long time to kind of cross over from that whole world and say, Father in heaven, what do you really, really like? Please show me, because I, I want to know. Because I think it makes all the difference to the whole of life on earth. That's why Philip in John 14 says this. He says to Jesus, show us the Father and that will be enough. What a stunner. He had the best request out. As though Philip has appreciated, Jesus, if we can just get a revelation of this Father, it will transform the whole of our lives. It'll be sufficient for everything we need for the rest of our days on earth to be fathered from heaven. And so Jesus has come along and saying, I've come to show you a father who will never leave you or abandon you. Well, if you've been abandoned by a father, that is a striking shift, isn't it? Are you getting sleepy with this fire? No, I love it. I'm, I just can't. I'm, I'm going to have three hours talking to you. But, but do you understand, Jesus is like, he's cutting into every human experience which has marred your ability to discover that relationship and saying, this father will never leave you or abandon you. This father, this father thinks the world of you 
and is for you. Oh, yeah, I know that verse. No, 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 stop. A father who's for you means he's rooting for you. We could go on. This father, let's try this one, really, really enjoys you. How do you know he enjoys me? You can't say that. Where's that in the Bible? Well, there's a number of verses that says he will take great delight in you. Well, that's, that's everybody together. That's not me personally. Rubbish. Everything corporate in the Old Testament becomes true personally through the cross and the New Testament. Everything. So it's a very personal now. Does he or doesn't he take delight in you? Wouldn't it be amazing if the Holy Spirit showed us that one? Wouldn't it be amazing if tonight you had a dream where you saw his face as a dad and you thought, that's because you prayed, Lord, show me your face. Show me the Father. I need to have a fresh encounter. And the thing about this is, do you remember that song? Do you remember that song? I murder songs constantly, which is really awkward because I get a half line and I can't remember the other half line. I've heard a thousand songs about what they say you're like. I've heard a thousand songs of what? Is that right, Fee? Yeah, but I want, the, I want that line. Is that the line? Stories. Okay, stop. I've heard a thousand... It's very beautiful, but I just want to get the line. I, so I mean, stop. Stop that sound. <laughs> it's not good enough. Try harder. <laughs> Oh dear, I've got to go home there tonight. That's what it's like. <clears throat> listen, listen, listen to this song, because I believe these songs, you see, I don't want to sing songs in a kind of jippity-dippity way and have no revelation deep down inside of the significance of what they're really, really saying, and it's a sort of charismatic clap-up. I don't want that, do you? Please, I want to stop. Paul, stop singing for a minute. I've heard a thousand stories of what they say you're like. Who's they? Everybody out there that wants to diss God, including the enemy that's behind it all, the great orphan spirit, who plagues the earth with misrepresentations of what God's really like and said, yes, there's a thousand stories. But then it says this. What does it say? But I've heard the tender whisper. Of love in the dead of night, is it? Something like that. Listen, stop, listen. It means he, as this heart-beating dad to you, will find any way, day or night, to sneak in and say, I really do want to find you with my love and bring you home. We're going to pray in a minute. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come upon us in this time I'm just trying to just share a few things, but I really want to pray that the Holy Spirit, every one of us, will be somehow encountering. I promise you, this is the ultimate gain of the cross. Is that you and I will come home to a Father 
who thinks the world of us. I can't think of anything more wonderful to have a room full of revelation like that. I can't think of anything better, can you? Then we come somehow get like Cornelius and Peter, the Holy Spirit falls and we're just done for. I don't mind. I goodness me, I I'm as hungry as you are. Can I share one scripture? Because we do some scripture, you'll, you'll think at least something was Bible tonight. <laughs> I want to show you this scripture from John, John 17. It's, uh, it's very familiar, but I, I love it. And I wanted to show you a bit of a film, but it was very unfair of me to ask Pat to get the film out. <laughs> Pat came to England... It was a lot of fun to have her in England. It really was. <laughs> she changed our nation, I reckon. Okay, let's go on. <laughs> I, yeah. John 17. Let's go John 17. Let me just show you this first. I, I know you're familiar, but can we just unpack it a minute? Um, you, you, you've often had it pointed out, I'm sure, that... <clears throat> And I want you to really heed this, if you would. Um, people on their deathbed don't say trite, superficial, or even medium things. Their last words are usually full of the greatest things they'd ever want to say to the people that matter most to them. Aren't they? I don't say, hey, by the way, don't forget to put the trash out tonight. It's like, it's too late, I'm going. It's like, it's just, it's just like, no, what happens is all the things of normal life fade away. And then they say something really profound. It's the thing they most want to leave on the earth as they go. And often it's things like, I really love you. Darling, I really love you. It's profound, the final stretch of someone's life and what they want to say. And here's Jesus, and you know the story. Well, here's Jesus. This is not only the last great prayer of John 17, but what strikes me is then what he says in the last verses of the last great prayer. Let me just read it to you, can I? Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, and by the world, can I say, the world doesn't know the Father, does it? We're in an orphan planet, aren't we? We're really seriously, we're in an orphan planet. I'm so excited, I'll tell you why, because God's always ahead of Satan's game and he's intending to raise up millions of sons and daughters in this hour. And we're caught in the room in a prophetic moment where the Spirit of God wants to draw to the top of our hearts the reality of who he's made us so he can display you and me to a desperately orphan world. The world does not know you, righteous Father. Please him. You are you are right in the center of his gaze in this hour because the thing above all is he doesn't want you to try harder. He doesn't want you to serve a bit harder. He doesn't want to kind of say, would you do this? Would you do this? He says, would you you dare to believe who I really made you and would you let me father you night and day 
I know you, so Jesus modeled absolute sonship. <laughs> and they, that's the disciples, know that you have sent me. So at least they got the fact that, you know, <laughs> they were looking and thinking, we get it, Jesus. You get to have the Father in the most extraordinary way. And we've been, we've been watching. And Jesus, they know, they know what's been going on, Father. So the world doesn't know you. I know you. They've watched me knowing you. Now here's the final bit of Jesus' great prayer. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them. Yeah, very nice. No, no, listen, listen. I have made you known. So here's, if I may take Mike here, who I've known for a bit. So here's the deal. I can't get the mic to do that. So let's take Mike, because he's pretty special guy. Let's take Mike. Um, so here's Jesus saying to the Father, Father, my Father, I've made you known to Mike. I've, I've, I've invaded his heart with a revelation of what you're like, Father. And I'm going to go on making you known to Mike. Why? What for? So that. So that very important the love you've had for me father may just go rushing into his heart deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper because that's the love that above all fills our heart with a deep sense of who we really are it's a great prayer isn't it what a way for jesus what's top of his list not top you know what's what's beating in his heart is father righteous father the whole world has got orphaned i'm the first son to demonstrate true sonship on earth now father i've made you known to them the disciples and i'm gonna go on, go on making you known it's a and by the way that word known you know the word known someone say it pat say it Ginosko, thank you. It's not Ginosko? Ginosko. Ginosko. Do you know what it means? I looked up in Vines. It means a continuous and increasing experience of him. Wow. This is not a knowledge. This isn't another page of notes about the Father. No, Jesus is saying, oh, Father, righteous Father. What's your name? Suzanne. Suzanne, I got it. So Suzanne, you see... The reason I make it personal is, Suzanne, that's Jesus' prayer for you tonight, for you. Father, I'm going to go on making you known to Suzanne. Why? So that this love I live in night and day, a father's love, will flood her being and she'll realize who she really is because it takes a father to make you realize who you are. Is that prayer in the room here? Isn't it? This is, this is not Jesus saying just for the 12. He intended the whole earth in 2022 to reveal sons and daughters that would stun an orphan planet. So the prayer is active right through. And that's why, if you're like here tonight, we're under the very overshadowing of a father who wants to reveal himself to us. notice but I love it there's an old film in England I love this film I looked at it before I came here forgive me it's a children's no it's not a children's film 
but it's about some children. I'll tell it to you really quickly, like a bedtime story. Don't fall asleep because we're going to pray, okay? <laughs> I'm watching. <laughs> and in the film, this is what happens. There's a lovely family in the Second World War time, lovely family in London. They're very close-knit, mum, dad, three kids, and they live in a big London home, and they're a beautiful family, and they're always hanging out together and so on and so on. But the dad's got a very important job. And one day, they're all sat around the table in this beautiful home, laughing and playing games, and there's a knock on the door. And the dad goes out to answer the knock on the door. And um, as he answers the knock on the door, uh, suddenly he's told he's got to go away. And what's actually happened, he's been arrested for a dreadful crime. It's like, um, it's a crime against the nation. So they take him suddenly away and leaving the wife and the three children devastated. And in the end, he gets tried and sent to prison. And it's a really terrible story because the kids so miss their dad and the wife misses the husband and da-da-da. And so in the end, the wife has to sell the house and move up to the rural area of England in the, in the countryside. And they buy a little cottage and they kind of settle down. But there's this immense sadness. Dad's no longer in the house. And so the years go by and there's a railway that goes along past the cottage. Some of you will now remember the name of the film and it's steam trains go up and down and it's a beautiful story. And the older girl, I think she's 16, 17 maybe, and they get to kind of watch the steam trains and they sort of develop a life, but somehow dad's not there. And, you know, there's a sadness, but they wave at people in the train, da-da-da. And eventually there's a man in the train, there's a lovely, kind-looking man, and he starts to notice them and waves at them. And, and then somehow he discovers something about them and he, he decides he's going to help them because he realizes they've lost their dad. And it's a long story, but one day... The eldest girl, whose name is, I can't remember her name. Do you remember her name? doesn't matter. The oldest girl is told to go down to the station because she's got to collect someone who's visiting. So she goes down uh, to the station. Oh, lovely old scene, steam trains. Did you have steam trains in America? Yeah, okay. Walt Disney World. Huh? Walt Disney World. Walt Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> this is a serious story. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> You've just shattered my lovely story. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take your name, please. <laughs> um, so, but anyways, listen, she, she goes down to the station, and the station master's in already what's happening, he knows. And so as, as she arrives, girl, I'm collecting someone, he comes through, and he's kind of all a buzz and says, hello, my dear, and da-da-da-da-da. It's a lovely scene. And so the train comes in and there's steam everywhere and, you know, people getting out and banging doors and this station master's gone inside his little office but he, he can hardly stay still and the girl just stands there looking awkward because she doesn't know who she's meeting. And, and then people start coming out and the doors are closing of the train and the train begins to ride out and there's smoke everywhere and the girl's just left standing there. And the mist and the cloud of the smoke is all around and it gradually begins to just diminish a bit. And she's looking down and it's now silent. And as it clears, gradually she just sees this form. And it gradually gets clearer and she realizes it's her dad is back. And she stares and then like everybody who's renewed in that relationship he just tears across the platform shouting daddy my daddy my daddy and he just 
sweeps down again, takes her in his arms, and they do that beautiful cling that every rightful return to a dad brings. And it's often been certain, I think it's true, sometimes we need the miss cleared in our own journey internally to give us the capacity to see the Father that's shining his face on you and me and saying, you've no idea what a delight you are to me as a son, as a daughter. You have no idea, but I want to clear the mist. And that's an encounter that we all need, isn't it? Good, you've been really patient. Mm. Can we just pray a little bit and ask the Holy Spirit? Is that okay? And I don't know, I, I'm going to ask you, please, it's not about me or doing something. I want you just to kind of like, even if you just whisper to him, Abba, I need you. I need you, Dad. I need you. I need to find you again. Wherever you, wherever you are on the journey, it says when you were still a long way off means we're all included. <laughs> wherever you are in your own heart, whatever's going on, whatever it brings up, you're included in his longing to find us. <clears throat> Fee, would you mind just playing on the guitar just very gently, could you just... I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit and I don't know what's going to happen, but just take a few minutes. I know it's quite late and you're probably a little bit sleepy, but... Um, How great, see how great, see how great the love the Father has lavished. See, taste it, find it. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we again lean into you. You're our very best friend on earth. And we ask you, even as we're quiet before you, that every one of us, we ask you that you'd give us a fresh encounter with the Father that Jesus came to reveal. Holy Spirit, I ask you that you will, even this weekend, bring to light things that get in the way of us being close to you. Holy Spirit, I ask you to even come in the night time with a tender whisper and mess us up a bit. Holy Spirit, I pray you'll be very personal with every one of us so we don't have to do what the other person is doing, but you find us as we are. Holy Spirit, reveal the wonder of being so loved, so wanted, so enjoyed. I pray again you'll mess us up this weekend. And that where we try to hold things together, Lord, just please... Help us to let go. Where there are wrong pictures still, Lord, would you 
help us to clear those clouds away so we get to see your face. Just again, put your hand on your heart, would you? Keep going, Fee. Just take a moment. Just whisper to him if you want to, you, whatever you, whatever's in your heart, this is a response to him. Like Abba, I want you, I need you. So grateful to belong. Lord, I pray there will be a downpour of your love in this room this weekend. Lord, I ask it will be like heavy rain on thirsty ground. is just a moment where you kind of look into a face that is the best, best dad you could ever have. Soak us tonight, Lord. Begin to water the thirsty ground and soak us, soak us, soak us. Lord, I pray you'll lift off a sense of yeah, I've got so many responsibilities. How can I possibly let go? Help us to let go. Lord, I pray you'll keep watering our hearts through the night. And I pray when we wake up in the morning, the first thought will be about you. And I pray, Lord, you'll even reveal how much you enjoy every one of us. And Lord, I pray where we've got a bit hardened, you'll keep, you'll soften us and make us tender to the whispers of love. Sweep through, Holy Spirit, this place. Sweep through, sweep through and water our hearts. Sometimes just breathe in his love and <clears throat> thanks, Holy Spirit. Don't get distracted, just stay there. Sometimes it takes us time.
Thank you, Holy Spirit. I just encourage you just to talk to him just right now before we move, before we close, before we just race to our cars and just let him in. Say, Holy Spirit, I let you into every area. Paul mentioned shame tonight. I believe shame is one of the greatest blockages, hindrances, killers for knowing God as a father. Ever since the garden, shame blames. Shame makes us hide. Shame makes us run. Shame makes us cover up. And God always pursues and says, where are you? And just encourage you right now to say, I'm right here, Father. I, I stop running and hiding and covering. I'm right here. The enemy wants us to be sin conscious. My father wants us to be God conscious. And even right now there's a wrestle <laughs> for for the enemy to make us sin conscious, which puts us in a place of shame. Rather than knowing he's a father who's just absolutely forgiven us. There's no, there's no fear in love there's no fear in love well God is love so there's no fear where God is you can keep your eyes closed for a moment I don't want to shift gears but I remember being in our lounge many years ago and our kids were two years old Suzanne LaCava was there with Bob and we were learning about the Father, that there's no fear in love. And I remember just breaking down thinking, my job as a father is to represent the Father. I wonder if I've ever caused my kids fear. And I went upstairs and I woke them up, the twins in their bunk bed. And I said, boys, look at me. They were like, what, Dad? And I said, have I ever made you feel scared? One of them said, no. And I said, what about you to the other one? They said, well, yeah, maybe you did when you would discipline us. We'd have to go and wait upstairs. And we thought, oh, dad's going to come and he's going to get us. 
I remember tears pouring down my face and I said, boys, my job as your father is to represent, to represent the father. And I never ever want to make you feel scared. And I never want you to have any fear of me. Will you forgive me? And of course they did. But I talked to my son, who's not two anymore, he's 20, today on the phone. And before, as you know, many of you know, he's with Julian Adams. And as a joke, before I left, I said, well, I've given a list of all your things that you need to work on in your character, and I've given them all to Julian. <laughs> and there was a lot of people around, and people laughed. And today he said, Dad, I'm going through a really hard time. You didn't really do that, did you? And I said, son, I would never do that. And I was driving to the airport, and I choked up. I said, son, I... I would never do that. He said, I didn't think so, Dad. But I was driving along thinking about this weekend and the Father's love and how there's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. And I just think some of you need to know that God doesn't want to embarrass you. And like that joke that I made to Isaac when he was feeling low this week, feeling lonely, feeling vulnerable. He remembered the power of words that I said as a joke. And he just needed to check if they were true. And I said, son, I'm your dad. I would never do that to you. And some of you just need to know that today. God does not want to shame you. And we started this evening with Luke 15 the father ran when he was a long way off and I just want you to know just keep your eyes closed for a bit longer I just feel like uh, wherever you are however far off or close you may be as the father ran to him which in that culture was undignifying for a man to run but Jesus just the father wants to just run to you not to shame you or embarrass you not to make you sin conscious and I just want to say this before we leave tonight that I just sense that this whole time, this beginning, <coughs> excuse me, of this retreat is a place where God, where God wants to remove lies. And things that we've believed that are not true that hinder us from being, coming close to him and knowing who we really are. And I said this to Isaac, I said, son, I am your dad. But when you were two years old, 
I reminded you that my job as your dad is to represent your heavenly dad. And I said, some of the insecurities you're going through, some of the pain, the loneliness, is actually all part of God shaping you and designing you. And I said, there are times where God closes the eyes and closes the ears of people closest to us for the purpose that it causes us to go to our Father, which is actually ultimately the only one that can help us. So I said, son, as your dad, <laughs> I want you to know these things that you're going through. If you'll allow God on the potter to be the clay on the potter's wheel, to start shaping you and actually when you can it's easy to find all the answers or blame somewhere else to actually recognize God is causing you to lean into him to push into him because he is actually the only one that can walk you through this because he's trying to develop something in you and why you're saying deliver me he's saying nope I want to develop you instead. So Father, I just want to say thank you to you again. That you really do know each one of us better than we know ourselves. And as we sleep tonight, as Paul's already said, I ask that you would give us dreams. That we wouldn't just race home and just change gear but we'd stay in a posture of you, of our hearts being open to you to touch us, to speak to us, to love on us, to show us things, and that we wouldn't race to get out of them, but we'd stay in a place for you to touch and heal things that perhaps we didn't even need healing. I want to thank you for Paul and Sue ask that you give them supernatural sleep <laughs> that they would sleep deep and sleep well tonight and as we gather to tomorrow and the sun rises in this retreat center that will encounter you in a glorious way and this will mark a new chapter for us individually and corporately in Jesus mighty name Amen. Amen. Paul and Sue again, just want to say thank you. It is now uh, about three o'clock in the morning. So you did really well. Can we give up for Paul and Sue? Thank you. So good. The night is still young. Can I just say, please feel free if it's in the next like 15, 20 minutes because Steve and Larissa are actually staying here in the main suite. But please feel free to walk through all the bedrooms. The whole house is open. There's nowhere that you can't go. Um, you just wander through. Uh, 